you're back here on Mining Stock Daily, and my name is Trevor Hall, your host here today for your Friday morning long-form episode to get you into the last day of trading and into your weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It was a little bit of a quiet week, I felt like, here in the junior mining and exploration sector. So we were able to get some good market commentary, corporate updates out to you. If you missed anything, you can go to miningstockdaily.com and to re-listen or dive into some of those those commentaries you did miss throughout the week. Uh, you will also see a list of our sponsors here on the website. So I want to specifically thank Integra Resources, Rio 2, Arizona Sonoran, and Western Copper and Gold for your ongoing support of the podcast and making sure we can be able to do this each and every trading day. Really great conversation today with our friend Tony Greer over at TG Macro and author of The Morning Navigator. We bust it wide open on a very interesting week, not only from the Fed beginning to rate hike 25 basis points, uh, but also what does this mean for the commodities trade? What does this mean for this rebound in the general stock market? We bust it wide open. It literally is about almost an hour long conversation, just me and Tony Uh letting some things be known out there so i hope you listen to it in its entirety thank you so much tg for giving us the time on your saint patty's day of all days so let's just bust into my conversation with tony again thank you so much please leave a review of the podcast where you can and have a great weekend be safe be well It's a real pleasure to really end this uh, really crazy week here in the markets. You know, the junior mining sector, the mining sector in all actuality, seemed to be pretty quiet this week, despite a lot of volatility and market reaction from the Federal Reserve uh, and also the bond market. Uh, The commodities uh, were selling off earlier in the week and then got a nice bid later this week. So who better? to talk to about all these moves than the one and only Tony Greer, TG Macro himself, author of The Morning Navigator. TG, welcome back to the Mining Stock Daily Pod. What a fantastic introduction, Trevor. You are absolutely the best. How are you doing? Great to be here. Uh, I'm good. Happy St. Patty's Day. We are recording this Thursday afternoon. Uh, you're off uh, to do festivities after this, so I don't want to keep you too long, but we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, my friend, where should we? Can we start with the Federal Reserve? Because it seemed like everything hinged on yeah. the Federal Reserve yeah. this week. Yeah, great pivot point to get uh, to get going into the markets with. Um, for me, the quarter point is irresponsible, right? Like we we see we we kind of live and breathe the commodity commodity inflation. You know, guys like you and I being a little bit deeper in these trenches than the everyday Joe, just per se. But to know what we have set up in commodities, what with the ground that we've already covered, the fact that they're already you know exploding in observable terms, and that we're set up fundamentally for that to likely continue, for them to come out and cut, I mean, excuse me, hike rates twenty five basis points is literally a deck chair off the Titanic, right? If if you can even call it that. And I think that the markets are, you know, reflecting that pretty well, um, you know, with commodities just getting right back on their horse today. 
um, behind the tailwind of, excuse me, ahead of the tailwind of the Aussie dollar, which has been consolidating for a long time and now gotten up on its feet and is rallying sharply versus the yen. Um, so we've got that in our, you know, wheelhouse in the commodity sector. And all of a sudden, as soon as Jerome Powell leaves the stage, commodities, you know, student body up and to the right from, you know, from crude oil to copper to gold, you know, to in, in unison. And it's so it's like, okay, well, the 25 basis points was nice for everybody to gather around and talk about and, you know, have, have conjecture over. But the market, the great rotation Right where where commodities up and leave the building and commodity stocks follow them and you know yields jump out of the building ahead of the Federal Reserve. To me, the two-year yield this week going from like one seventy to two percent is saying that the Fed is even more behind the curve than they think they are. You know, if you ask me, so we can carve that up however you like, Trevor. We're, um, I- We are going to cover that up because what I'd like to do is take some of this precious time I have of yours later in this discussion and have a little bit of an educational moment for our listeners on these technical indicators that you just described. But before we get there, I do want to ask you about the market response in general after this news because it wasn't just the commodities sector that moved up and to the right. It was almost everything that moved up and to the right, including the major markets. And it continued through Thursday as basically this rally continues. You know, Looking at historical context from a lot of people I read and you know personally, you can see historically after initial rate hikes that markets respond favorably. But as an observer here, it's like I'm still I, – I don't understand. I don't get it. Where's this? Where is it coming from? Can you please shine a light into all this? Oh, well, what, what are you specific- – are you talking about the stock rally specifically? The, the stock rally. Okay, yeah. All right. I just want to make sure I'm on the same page so that I can address Yeah, yeah. I have a really good explanation for that, man. I mean, okay. number one, you know, stop. What what everything that happened is a sell the fact reaction, right? Everything that we saw happen in reaction to the Federal Reserve was, or it was a sell the fact. So what happened first? Let me just go through this for a second, and we'll get to the equity market. What happened first were commodities had their Icarus print, right? When nickel went belly up. Commodities all had their Icarus print, meaning their high print in a runaway, you know, rally and all pulled back, right? Stocks had been falling due to the initial commodity rally and the interest rate market's reaction to that, right? So what happens is stocks get pounded. Tommy Thornton shows up waving his flag, which is, um, you know, DMARC 13 oversold in stocks. The guy is loading his boat long going into the Federal Reserve. And you're like, have you lost your mind, man? Like, the, you know, the tape is literally cascading lower. But he, you know, he, he goes and proves and teases out for us that this is a market of securities and it's driven by sentiment and it's driven by headlines. And we're just about to have the headline come out now where the U.S. is embarking on a God knows how long rate hike cycle. Actually, the Treasury market isn't calling it that long. They've got them uh, cutting rates back again out in like two years from now. But what happens is you always are going to have a positive reaction to the Federal Reserve. And I don't know if, if it's the president's working group or just the way the market reacts, but... 
The Federal Reserve seems to come out, make their decision. Jerome Powell starts talking and markets, you know, the S&P starts rallying, right? Yesterday, it was dead to rights at 41.50 when he basically, they came out with the rate hike. The market started curling over. He took the stage and the market went straight up 100 S&P handles in a straight line, right? Among the most unnatural price action you've ever seen. So couple of things happening there. He's basically instructing you that, you know, screw your puts as it were, right? Like, you know, we, you know, you may have been preparing for a big market curl over. That's not what happens. The market likes to reflect on Fed days that it loves what the Federal Reserve just did. You can go back and check. You can go back and look, Trevor, across the, over the years, especially during the Dow, Janet Yellen years. My God. You know, we were in a bull market then, and no matter what it was, it was like, oh, S&P up another 150 on the Fed day, you know. So my point is the markets did everything that they needed to do ahead of the Fed. The Fed disappointed them, and so they're just going to go right back about their business. Now, the S&P rally, you probably got a lot of people bailing out of stocks for days and days ahead of the Fed, and the selling lets up. Right. And everything is so stretched below its moving averages now. Sentiment has gotten so has, has traveled so far from positive to negative that stocks are due for a, a market dynamic retracement. And, you know, we were led. Here's here's a good one in stocks. On the year, we've been led lower by technology, by home builders and retail. Right. Those are the star sectors that, that have been getting crushed on the year. What was up big yesterday? technology, home builders, and retail, right? So it, like, I, like I wrote about this morning, if it finished positive on the day yesterday, it's down huge on the year, right? The leaders of yesterday's rally was the garbage floated to the top. Social media, internet stocks, software, they're all up huge. And then you look at them, where are they year to date? Off 20 something percent, right? So it was time for the retracement, the short cover rally, Right now, the S&P is doing what I call running into a burning building because it's going in a <laughs> line up towards huge resistance. There's a death cross above the market, you know, in the S&P. There's a huge head and shoulders already that's, you know, broken the neckline and it's cascading lower in the NASDAQ. And so I think that we'll eventually run out of steam in this rally because we're going to run into the same cycle, Trevor. We're going to run into the same cycle where it's starting to happen, where commodities get back on their feet. The bat signal that we've been calling it in the note, the two-year notes, yield starts running higher in anticipation saying, oh, shit, we see the commodity markets. We don't care what the Fed says. Rates got to go up, right? And then even the, the, the last tailwind in the sale is what may have been a short-term top in the dollar, right? If you look at the dollar index, just rallied all the way up to 9,900, I think it was. Let me just get this on my screen. Yeah. So from the lows of 2021, just rallied up to 100. The last five or six handles, I'm imagining, are anticipation of the Fed hiking rates. And now we might be in a situation where on the other end of knowing the Fed is going into a prolonged hiking cycle, the dollar may trend lower now. And if the dollar trends lower now, you can forget about buying commodities on the bid. Right. You, you're just going to have to chase them into new highs. If you want to get long, you're going to wind up, 
you know, chasing these indices, uh, the, the corresponding ETFs into new highs for the move because they haven't backed off much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Already today with the, with this 7% rally in crude oil, you know, there's already a two sigma extent, a two sigma bounce in oil and gas, a two sigma bounce in uh, natural resources, the ETF, a huge bounce in metals and mining. So to me, it looks like the great rotation is just getting started already again, the day after the Federal Reserve. So if you think of everything that led up to the Federal Reserve as the sort of you know, the market dealing with, you know, what's about to happen and then the Federal Reserve date and watch what happens post-Fed. You know, the dollar is going to fall, potentially fall, but you're going to have indexes rallying. I mean, uh, commodities rallying and for right now, equities rallying. But I think technology is going to continue to weigh on them. So this is all just a blip in the curve. I wouldn't focus as much on the Fed for anything other than the timing of a lot Mm. of these moves, because to me, it's that the commodity markets are driving everything, right? Every headline that comes out is really, you know, another expression that we have entered a new dimension in commodity trading. You know, I mean, the the LME is about to come apart with, you know, these nickel commitments now at some level, right? There's so much, there's so much moral hazard to this story that the LME might not make it out. You know, and we'll see what happens with that. We've got Saudi Arabia talking about accepting yuan for for um, oil, right? Which plays perfectly for China's hand, who is right next to them and can just source their oil that way. Putin's got a way to finance whatever operation you know he's going to embark on by selling Russia oil uh, by selling China oil directly. At this point, at one hundred twenty dollars, at one hundred ten dollars, one hundred twenty Brent. Who cares for him if he's selling it at a twenty dollar discount to the market, mm-hmm. right? Because he's you know he's now an international uh, you know criminal, um, which was like the the uh, the mainstream media drinking word yesterday was that Putin's a war criminal. So, you know this propaganda train is going to keep rolling, but the markets are doing their thing. And with what's going on in the world, to me, it only exacerbates the longer the commodity rally is going to go on for. And the, the most beautiful thing, if, and I'll get off my soapbox, is what I wrote about, I expected the dip in commodities to be, if we're in a real bull commodity cycle, a real super cycle, then you've got to go into the dips expecting them to be super short in time and steep in price, right? So they're short in duration and they're really down and back. And that's what we're seeing. You know what I mean? So far, so good anyway, if that's what you're looking for. So it's kind of like, you know, when I wrote about fill your boots on the dip, you know, I was trying to, you know, express the urgency that you're not going to get the commodities aren't going to back off and now sit around at a price to give you a chance to go pick away at what's the better buy. It's going to be a dip and they're going to be back to rally mode. So that's what I'm seeing, my brother. Okay, a lot to unravel. I've got like seventy different questions, but I won't Listen, put you on. Don't, don't worry about my. Um, okay. Don't worry about the festivities today. Markets before beer, always. We'll, okay, I fair, have fair enough. Time for the beer. Let's let's hash it out. Okay, uh, I I want to ask you about this going long. You you mentioned Tommy Thornton going long, making everybody's head turn. Our buddy Jared Dillian did the same thing at the Daily Dirt Nap. Right. Those two Farm. had the right call 100%. uh time you know and pretty damn good timing i might say as well but i gotta ask you this is that by the dip mentality that we have been engraved with over the last two years 
is this, could this be the last buy the dip mentality in the major indices such as the NASDAQ and tech stocks? It sure feels different this time, doesn't it? Uh-oh, uh-oh. How could you not say that? You know, I'm talking about we're getting kicked into a new realm of, com- a new dimension of commodity trading. A new dimension. Things, you know, we're, 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 we're still pressing the carbon neutral trade, right, as best we can with right. effing European natural gas prices blowing up. Right. So they're going to have issues with baseload power. This is going to go on. It's going to become costly. It's going to become a major issue. And they're still plowing ahead. Right. Have you heard anybody say, you know what, we have to step off the gas of the carbon neutral trade because we've got blow ups left and right because of it. Right. So there's there's no there's no air to caution. So to me, that's what feels very different this time. And then you pair it up with the commodity complex and you've got both. The LME index, which is all industrial metals, as you know, and food prices breaking away to new all-time highs. So one of them spells insane inflation, and the other one spells the same thing plus a humanitarian crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we saw we saw the Arab Spring blow up at six dollar wheat. We're at eight dollar wheat. You know what I mean? And and yeah. yeah. So uh, th- this is going to become a huge problem. It's going to eventually be front page news for a long time as we figure out how these ding-dongs deal with it. And, you know, you, you wonder as they start sanctioning companies, uh, sanctioning nations off, you know, you start to say, hey, did, did anybody think of the uh, wheat supply for the poor before you slam the door on the old Russian exporters there? Just Just so we feed everybody. That's all. We'll worry about putting the bad guy away later, but... Millions of people have got to eat, but they're not doing much of that. So as far as, you know, policy is still pedal to the metal, carbon neutral in 2030 or bust, what what could happen except for this commodity cycle to continue for yields to finally, you know, catch people saying, okay, we're about, I mean, how is the bond market pricing in? cuts already in a year and a half, two years, when I think that this, (laughs) I feel like the commodities are going to be rallying for five to 10. Well, I think it might've been a testament to the market showing just how weak and behind the curve and timid the Fed is now and is going to be for the next few years. True. I think that's all that was saying. It could be, it could be. Now you gotta, this is another thing I think about all the time because I'm a, a devout follower of Rao Powell because he's had a lot of the macro picture really right for a long time. Um, He calls the chart of truth 10-year yields, right? And if you back out and look at 10-year yields from 30 years back, 40 years back, right? A super long timeline. As sure as the sun rises, every rally just fades out and makes a new low. And every rally, oh, no, fades a new low. And you're like, wow, he's got a really good point, right? And now we're at the point where the rally either fades out or we turn, Right. And at some point, as we approach the zero boundary is going to be the event in the world that that ends the endless bull market in treasuries. It's got to look a lot like that Bloomberg commodity index chart. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very I mean, almost very similar. Totally. Totally. Uh, So let me ask you another uh, uh, 
topic I wanted to get your response on after the Fed's rate hike announcement and into Jerome Powell's uh, press or whatever, the big news really was a response in the bond market. The yield curve flattened even more uh, to a point where a lot of the, even the mainstream media were picking this up and saying this is concerning because we know when a yield curve inverts, it's typically a sign of recession yet to come. Uh, that has been a concern of mine. I've seen those spreads narrowing for the last couple months. Uh, that got expedited yesterday alone. Today's a little bit different kind of coming off those moves. However, how closely are you watching these, the, the yield curve and you know, what is something key for our listeners to take away to watch in this, in this position of the world? Okay. Uh, first, first let's explain to them that I am not an expert in the bond market. At all. Either am I. Okay, good. So we'll start, <laughs> so we'll start from that position and we'll go after it. You know, as you, as you correctly, astutely pointed out, 10s, 30s, for example, yield curve collapsing. That, that to me is the um, stag part of stagflation, right? Mm-hmm. I, a stagnant economy, I think that that's what 10s, 30s and the curve might be saying. Because now, you know, commodities went from this price where they were, they're calling it transitory, but that doesn't seem right, to they had to admit that we've got inflation, but that doesn't seem right either. And now they're saying that it's going to go away. Meanwhile, you know, they're they're saying that it's going away. They haven't done anything to slow it down. 25 basis points is a joke. Talk to talk to me about the balance sheet that, that we were going to talk about taking down. We keep ticking higher every month. We're about to press through nine trillion. So until that actually starts trending lower, all we're doing is feeding the inflation. So that's why it blows my mind that the treasury market or even the even the uh, officials are like, yeah, we've got inflation, um, but just for eighteen months, and then it's going to go all go back down. So anyway, I think that this is the one that changes. The um, Oh, so the stag- that's the stagnant part of the economy and the curve. Let's just go over the other part. What we also saw was just a breakout in five-year break-evens that was stunning. They consolidated through the turn of the year around 3%. And then, you know, in the first quarter, leaped out to 360. And that's an inflationary expectation right there. So between the curve collapsing... And break evens breaking out, and gold getting back on its feet. I feel like the market screaming stagflation is coming at you, right? Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong, but that's how I'm positioning. I mean, I stepped into your dojo and bought gold mine, um, and added them to my uh, view matrix because I feel like having the exposure now. Just feels like the right fucking time, you know. I mean, I banged my head on it before, but the other part of the it's different this time is commodities are rallying, right? That's the centerpiece of the trade. In the past, high prices have always been the cure for high prices and commodities, right? Now, there's a tack on supply everywhere. Or there's an issue with supply everywhere. So this isn't just a run-of-the-mill thing where we could say, okay, you guys in the Grange, you guys plant more corn and that'll satisfy that demand. You guys over there, um, you know, pull more copper out of the ground and we'll, you know, feed that rally. And you guys in oil, just start drilling and, and pumping away, right? 
they're talking about, you know, we're, we're turning toward OPEC to start pumping away and they're flipping us the digit. They're like, we have a customer over here that's going to pay us in one. Thank you. Right. So this is the whole like the whole chessboard changing. And so I feel like this, the trade is, you know, we're entering another leg of the great rotation right now after this Fed meeting and it's going to steamroll right into the next one. So that's what I'm looking for, Trevor. If that's right. it, it's, it's almost feels like a great rotation away from that deglobalization, not just based on, you know, uh, monetary policy or anything like that. There's a much bigger move here happening uh, throughout the world. It's not just what the Fed's deciding to do. I mean, there's political strife behind all of this because I think people are trying to figure out where it's going to land eventually. We just have no idea right now. Not a clue. I couldn't agree more, man. You know, the guy that they're making the the the, the uh, public enemy number one right now, uh, you know, just take a look at the fact that he sold all of his treasuries He's got no treasury exposure. They're kicking Western media out of the country. They're kicking social media out of the country. And all of a sudden, this guy is getting attacked, you know, because he's stepping outside of the establishment confines, right? He's got more gold and more natural resources than anybody else on earth. And all of a sudden, you know, you pair that culturally on our side with Joe Rogan dropping the Dr. Malone bomb on New Year's Eve and saying, yeah, have this, America, Right here, 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 let me just open up some eyes. And shortly after that, we just saw Fauci go into the witness protection program. He disappeared. You know, Biden is now at war with Russia. Um, We've got the Ukraine story bubbling up about biochemical weapons there. We've got the ties today. Just today, they're allowing Hunter Biden's laptop to be a real story. So, I mean, I think that that's all of that stuff. That's what the war is over. You know, and, and it feels like Putin is very much trying to break up the globalist regime. And I'm not trying to side with him, but some of the things that he is doing would make sense to me, right? NATO, NATO is walking in with, you know, nuclear weapons and potential bioweapons. You know, we don't know what the real story is. And it's a neighboring country for him. And he's not a NATO member. And by the way, neither was Ukraine ever going to become one, right? That was just the bait. So now they've got a conflict on their hands and we'll see how they manage it. We'll see how it gets managed. But I don't know. I agree with you that there is a serious breaking up of the globalist order right now. Um, and, and they're reacting to it, you know, in really, really authoritarian ways from the Canadian trucker money freeze to the Russia Swift money freeze, you know, the sanctions back and forth. I mean, you know, all of a sudden cryptocurrency comes back to life. Gold comes back to life. You know, these things where I feel like we're, you know, redefining the money rights around the world right now, mm-hmm. you know, or, or I, at least how you have to approach them. Sorry. No, 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 it's no problem. Uh, just much similar to uh, experts in the bond markets, we are not. We are also not geopolitical experts. We are just opinion opinionated market totally, people. Totally. Yeah, hey, I mean, we're making it up as you go along, right? You try to air yeah. out your ideas to to see what comes back. Hey, I, I do want to get back uh, real quick on uh, the response in the bond market Wednesday. Uh, you hadn't you you briefly mentioned the two year yield, and you've been writing about the two year yield. I'm hoping you can kind of break down this relationship between the two year and commodities. Uh, you know, for people who maybe aren't 
uh, list or readers of yours or just kind of interested in why you think that relationship is so important? Can you just give us a sense of why that is? Yeah, the way I've been framing it, Trevor, is that two year the two-year yields, which have been on a tear higher, obviously, um, and wagging the whole entire curve, have been the sign that the the bond market is is finally acknowledging commodity inflation and also acknowledging more commodity inflation for longer by by ripping off of the lows the way it is right so it's like you try, you know it, it it's like you're um you, you say like, you know, you wonder what, what's, what's driving commodity markets today on certain days, you know, and you're like, what, what is it all about? And you look over and two-year yield is just leaping off, two-year yields just leaping off the board, you know, and I think that it's, it's both like a, um, it's like a mutual confirmation signal, right? When it's like commodities are rallying to new highs bonds sell off and say, well, we got to adjust to that, right? We have to adjust to that. We, you know, they're going into new highs. There's no inventory. We're at all time high price levels. Volatility is picking up. Bonds are saying, okay, we're pricing that in and moving lower. And so allowing for that commodity inflation and acknowledging that inflation on the curve somewhere. So I don't know if that's a good explanation or not, but that's how I've been. That's how I've seen it and felt it in the markets. It's like when BCOM, you know, the Bloomberg Commodities Index, you can kind of chart right on top of two-year yields. You know what I mean? They've both picked up and gone at the same time, and that's the physical sign of inflation and the monetary side of of you know short-term money getting more and more expensive. So that's kind of how I've been using it as a little bit of a speedometer. Okay. Okay. If you will. How an, another uh, technical indicator that you've been writing about as well is, and you mentioned it briefly, is the Aussie dollar to yen relationship. What is it about that for that that part of forex that's really interesting to you when it comes to commodities? It's it's really an observation. It's really an observation that that has been sort of the the leading beacon. In the FX market, for me, if you look at the charts to see kind of what matches with the commodity rally, mm-hmm. it's that. So understand that I'm backing into into that from sort of a visual and performance perspective, right? Not not a not not a the Aussie dollar is rallying because the flows are going into Australia and coming out of Japan. I'm not, you know, I'm not really not necessarily saying that that's the case, but that has been the sort of guideline of the health of, of sort of Asian markets. If you know what I mean? And first, so I I understand China just broke down, et cetera. You know, I know that that's going on, but I'm more talking about the commodity markets, you know, and uh, the iron ore markets and base metals and metals and everything like that. When when they seem to get on their on a run, they've always had Aussie yen rallying behind them, right? So I've, I unfortunately don't have a really smart um, textbook definition for that. But if you look at the charts, and I'll show them to you, and you know I'll, I'll chart up a couple for you. They, they match exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that point in the FX market that's going right along with two year yields and the Bloomberg Commodity Index. You know, when they're all accelerating, they're all going in the same direction. When they're all consol- when they're consolidating, they're all consolidating at the same time. When they're rallying, they're all rallying at the same time. So, mm. 
you just kind of notice that as a price action junkie when you're kind of measuring performance of everything every month. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. You know, Bloomberg Commodities Index was up 11 months in a row. You know, Aussie Yen was up, um, you know, 9 out of 11. You know, it had a huge percentage move. And so you pick up on things like that and try to figure out what's driving what. What, how did you stumble upon that? I'm just th- I'm just curious. He said you just a visual thing, just something you picked up on. Was it something somebody maybe gave you an idea of? Was it like you were sitting around like, and then all of a sudden, super smart TG popped up in your head and like, oh, I should look at Aussie yet. No, 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 no. Everything I do is borrowing something brilliant from somebody else and 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 throwing it into my own lens, you know. But this is from uh, my friend who I refer to as Sir Nick. Um, who is a equity salesman and market savant? Um, let's leave it at that. Let's leave him anonymous for now. But he's an Englishman that's been in the market for like you know he's one of those guys that's you know like fifty years old and he's been in the markets for forty years. And you're like, wait a minute, what did you have you been on a desk since you were like twelve? And they're like, yeah, I have. <laughs> right. So he's one of those guys and. Uh, he he's he follows a couple of things that um, kind of are coded to cyclical strength in markets, right? And he's got Aussie yen tagged as one of his indicators. I learned about the tick index uh, from talking to Nick, and he kind of guided me as to, as to how to watch these market barometers and work them into your assessments for what's going on and what's driving the markets on a daily basis. So he's the one that pointed that out. And then, you know, once you start watching it alongside everything that you watch and hear him, you know, writing about it, like, well, here goes Aussie N breaking out and you look up and you're like, yeah, there goes copper, there goes iron ore, there goes, you know, fucking A every time, you know? And so you, you kind of pick up on, you just pick up on it as a price action junkie, really, like, you know, no- noticing relationships and how things move versus each other. Yeah. That, that's okay. really all it is. Yeah, I wish I wish there was a better textbook definition, and I'm sure Nick has a better one than I have, and I'll, I'll try to tease that out of him one day because I'm actually going to interview him for Real Vision soon. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll remember that those would be some good things to talk about, some of his special indicators. All right, very good. Um, so let's move on. I want to move on to this the metals trade. Uh, the base metals before we get into gold and the GDX, which you're finally starting to dabble. I think I could go back to our own uh, personal text message exchanges for a couple of months and be like, Tony, this is the time. And nope, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad yeah, you're here. Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> you know, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any ego or any animosity, you know, in trading, you know, right. it, as you shouldn't, you shouldn't. No, exactly. It's to each your own. It's everyone's own money. Right. You know, so that's right. why. That's why you. That, that's why, for example, the laser-eyed people were were so offensive at, at the time. It's like you know, when did you have somebody with a view criticizing you for not having their view? You know what I mean? Like when when did that ever happen in trading? You always want to be the one like, look, shh, I'm bullish oil. I don't want anybody else to be bullish oil, right? That's that's just where you'd rather have it. And right. the laser eye community was that inverted. It was like, oh, you're not bullish this thing with me. You're an asshole. And I well, there's a cu- there's a couple communities, kind of cult communities like that in junior mining as well. Uh, I won't name names, but now that we have AMC coming into this mining sector and just a dis- I. I cannot wait for Doomberg to come out with a piece here. I hope he doesn't mind that I kind of. 
foreshadow that, but he's writing something up. I can't wait to read it. He's going to come on early next week and talk about it if it gets published. But that deal was so far out of left field. And if I may editorialize myself, which I typically try not to do because I try to have some journalistic integrity here on the show is they have no business being here. Zero business being in the mining industry. What do you, tell me more about your thoughts. Like I read that headline and I literally had to read it six times and to check to see if I was hallucinating. I swear to God, I was like, wait a minute. I, I did, that could not have said that. What are your thoughts? Uh, two things to take care of. You saw incredible amount of volume coming in the days leading up to that announcement. So somebody knew what was going on. And then the uh, the terms of the deal with the shares and the warrants were already in the money. The warrants were in the money the day it was announced. Those are the two things I would say that just... Oh. And I this, sector's, this sector is... St- just stricken with shadiness sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of shady deals, but holy cow, that one was just taking it to a whole nother level. AMC, you're talking about the Wall Street bets people coming into a mining project that's been bankrupt at least once, probably twice. Right, so is it, so it's some kind of a cover for something going on, right? I don't know. I think, I think Doomberg's... He's sharpening, he's sharpening the sword on that one, I think. Yeah, we'll see. I, 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 uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but so let, uh, let me ask you about this money. We've talked about the price inflation in the metals itself. What are you seeing with that capital coming into the producers or maybe even you don't dabble in the risky ex- developers or explorers, but how about just kind of like trickling down into those equities? Well, you know, the first thing is that um, I, I do think that there's a certain – you know, there's a, there's a huge population in the markets that kind of always like to bet on a recession. So right. when you offer them stagflation as an option, they can get right on board with that, right? The inflation, oh, BCOM flying away, I get that. Inflation because of the Fed balance sheet, right? I get that. Okay, we're at, yeah, I'm in on the stagflation trade because they buy into recession at the drop of a hat, which I usually don't. But anyway... Those are, that's the community that I think is saying, oh, well, we need exposure here because gold usually performs well in stagflation type of environment. And if you go rewind your gold chart to the Arab Spring in 2010, it seems to be that when people are um, rioting over starvation, that gold becomes something that's worth holding on to. And if you rewind the gold chart, I forget what price it was from, but that was right before gold peaked in 2011. Um, But it was part of the run up where 2010 gold just went, literally climbed a stairway for about nine months. And I feel like that may be what, you know, we're we're running into a clear grain issue here with, with energy prices elevated for longer. It's only going to make that worse in grains. So I think that read through is pretty straightforward for people. And they're like, you know what? We need gold exposure. And so finally, some money's coming into the mines. And again, um, you know, and, and we've seen a couple of false starts before. And I wouldn't go with gold on this time around because like, I'm, I'm very, once, once you burn me on a false start, it's really, it's tough to get me back in that market with my heart, right? My money will go in there first. But you won't have my heart in it because I won't trust that I don't get burned again. 
right? So what this time feels different in gold because I thought it was originally just a knee jerk to Ukraine, Russia, you know, a flight to safety. We got to buy gold. And then I thought Russia, Ukraine was going to go away or be a much smaller event. And then Putin came over the line blasting away. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, I had this dead wrong affects my gold view now. Now I'm, you know, flat for the wrong reasons. And you feel like people are like, okay, well, with stagflation coming and a potential humanitarian crisis, now it just seems like, you know, you're, you're really foolish if you have none. You know, you may not have to be full boat. You may not have to have your, your full pad in there. But if you have none and then we have a food crisis and gold rallies, you know, then you missed it. Like we say on uh, the George Noble podcast is uh, is to know and to not act is the same as to not know. Yeah, you know, yeah. so if you really if you really you know feel like in your heart that something's coming and, and going to happen, you got to react to that. Yeah. So you you've you've got an active position in physical gold. You've started a position leveraging the gold price through the gold with the gold miners via the GDX. You've you, you've been pretty outspoken about that in the newsletter as well out in public. Um, do, do you feel good there? Would you maybe start looking because you're a commodities trader? Would you start looking at specific equities, specific companies within the gold complex, producers, developers, or are you not there yet? Only in a way that only for the money. To be totally honest with you, you know what I mean? Like when I'm long uh, oil stocks and there's a dip in ExxonMobil, you know, and you can say like, well, you know, against the risk reward here, you know, I, you know, I'm long this sector. I like it. I like the name. You know, it seems like this is a good buy here. Let me add this to the energy portfolio. That's the way I am, you know, with maybe, you know, just a, ma a mining major, you know, um, Agnico, Newmont, something like that, that I would be like, oh, well, this is a good sidecar for the GDX. This just feels like it's trading below value, you know, and, and it'd be worth, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they report and they trade off a couple bucks for a couple days, you know, and you get those one-off um, individual moves that aren't necessarily with the sector. To me, that makes sense to, to participate in, you know. Okay. And, and I, the, the reason I ask is because there was a report that investors have an incredible amount of cash on the sidelines right now, like – to a point that the same point it wasn't like in 2008. So it looks like there's a lot of cash that could be deployed. It's just trying to find where. Now, I understand that your investment risk is a lot different than mine. You and I are buddies. We've talked about this. My risk preference is way higher within these junior explorers. You would never touch them. I get it. However, I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. If we have all this cash from investors on the sidelines, what would it take for that to trickle down back into the physical metal, down into the producers, the physical gold producers, and then trickle down into these speculative plays? You know, if I were – I the way for me to answer that is to kind of think back to my days as an equity sales guy and to say, how would I get a portfolio manager to take my call on a conversation like that? Mm -hmm. Right. How do you convince a guy to say, look at his pad and listen to you and look at the world and say, yeah, I need to have like, I have, I, you know, I got to be in this trade. Like th th this kid makes total sense or this guy makes total sense. Now, um, you know what you, to, to try to get, 
I think once you prove to portfolio managers that it's different this time, you know, and, and once you start to see, look, we've got more signs of stagflation and we've got gold trading to new highs. Like you don't want to miss this trade if gold, you know, goes up 40, 50 percent from here, which it, you know, is I don't know who knows what it could go up into new all time highs, given the situation that we're in. Right. It's, it's inflationary. The thing is way behind because it just consolidated for a year while inflation went berserk. Now it's finally moving. Wait, why is that? You know, like so you should be there, there's obviously a lot of critical thinkers about gold here that would rather say, oh, yeah, I'm a seller on the rally because maybe the mines, maybe the producers wake up and say, yeah, 2000 sounds good enough for me. Let's, you know, let a boatload out here. You know, and then we're right back to 1800 again. So I don't know. I just feel like I'm, I'm still betting on the stagflation drawing investment. I'm betting on the grain crisis really happening. And I think that that's what I would use to sort of sell a portfolio manager on, you know, the, these two things happening at the same time. You know, you, we, we could go into a bull market in gold from an all-time high price. And what does that mean? It means nobody knows where it stops. Quite, quite honestly, and, and it, that it probably goes on a lot longer than anybody thinks. And I think that that's why you, you have to have you have to have a little bit of a creative mindset in commodities now, because there's so few people, even in the markets that know that, OK, do you know how much copper we're going to need to go carbon neutral and to build all of this battery capacity and new electric vehicles? OK, you see that there's no storage of copper lying around in any exchanges. OK, now do you see that the price is bid an all time high? Like put some of that together. So that, that's how I keep myself bullish when I wake up in the morning. Okay. Uh, I have one last question for you. And it's kind of a big, it's kind of a big questions. So that's why I kept it last. But, uh, about a half an hour ago, I wrote down what something you said and you talked about the timing of the tightening that we're talking about the fed tightening here. Um, and it made me think, and I thought this would be a good, good one to end on here, TG. So let's talk about timing and let's talk about timing in the next six weeks. We have another CPI report coming out here in April that's going to reflect March. The CPI report that was just printed, what was it, last week, was for February. And obviously we saw higher prices, but we didn't get that huge move in those prices until late February, early March. So let's start out with expectations for inflation CPI print coming out here in the next few weeks for March. Do you think that could hit double digits? I've been operating from the premise that it's already at double digits and it doesn't know it yet, right? So, and I'm not an economist, so who the hell knows, but you line it up pretty logically where, um, you know, the prices that followed the last print are way higher and should therefore factor into a higher print. I mean, there should be some point during this inflationary experience where we have an upside blowout. Right, where maybe the market's expecting 10% and we get like 15.9, right? And maybe that's one of the events that actually dislocates the bond market lower, mm -hmm. right? Right now it's been trading lower and trading aggressively lower, right? But maybe at the bottom of that, that's where it becomes a, whoa, we're not even priced right yet type of move. So that's something that I would have to factor into my risk 
possibilities, you know, with a non-zero probability that, you know, at some point, that's what, I, that's what, you know, you, you, you finally, when, when you follow the story from the beginning, um, from when oil was printing negative and, you know, you're, you're, you're getting started accumulating it and you're like, oh man, someday, man, they are going to be coming for this stuff from me. Right. And so now we're at that level that we're, you know, we're a hundred dollars higher, et cetera, et cetera. And when it's finally playing out the way you saw it playing out and you have the markets agreeing, that's when you have to make sure you have all the bets lined up the right way. Right. So let's continue that question with tightening timing. Let's say that print comes in. Let's say it comes in nine and a half. Well, it maybe doesn't hit double digits. Where are we at with tightening there? It's, I mean, it would, you can't go another just quarter basis point hike in April. Like, what would you, you, you can't be that weak, can you? Are we going to be in the middle of the, are we still going to be sending, you know, uh, armed drones over to Ukraine next month? Because that seemed to have been a good enough reason. I, I think Powell started off his commentary about Ukraine, didn't he? Like, you know, he's, he's all of a sudden caused du jour. Right. Like, like, you know, so much of the nation, you know, he's all of a sudden comes out, starts talking about Ukraine, just like the state of the union was more like a state of Ukraine all of a sudden, you know, and, and this this is something that's clearly, you know, this is what the U.S. does best. We, we, we drum up, you know, national war interest, you know, for a common enemy. I mean, you know, we enlist Hollywood, academia, corporate America. You know, they, they got kids flying Ukraine flags. I mean, it's literally, it's a full sell. So to me, I don't think that that's going to go away in April. And so if we get an a, a outlier CPI report, I don't know, maybe they'll they'll look at the Ukraine situation and be like, yeah, I mean, that's a high print, but we're, we're you know, we have a conflict now where there's a lot of uncertainty. So we don't want to step on the gas. Maybe it sets up for more rate hikes higher or like higher rate hikes later or more aggressive rate hikes later or at least an adjustment in that curve where they're no longer the the money market and bond market people are no longer bold enough to start pricing in rate hikes like in 2020 uh rate cuts in 2023 you know what i mean just have to adjust like that but yeah there seems like oh but my point was when you've got the whole trade going and it's finally kind of panning out now you can start to expect extremes on the upside right we saw crude oil go negative you know we saw all the stupid commodity prices now we're going the other way yeah now you should expect you know ppi to come out and the genie go completely out of the bottle and you know all of a sudden the two-year notes two and a quarter in one print that wouldn't shock me because that's something that we need to expect in this market so you know how i would trade that is a different story i'd probably take a lot of profit on that kind of a trade but still either way Expect something like that, or at least factor it into your pricing. Yeah, um, I, I will say. I mean, the events in Ukraine are absolutely <laughs> horrific, uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to belittle that, but I will say that one of the things that I remember hearing on the news, and I don't know if it was through President Biden's mouth or through the news covering Biden, which made me stop in my tracks and give me that oh shit moment, was somewhere along the lines they were saying maybe higher prices is something we need to pay in order to defeat Putin. And I was like, here we go. There's your excuse. There's your scapegoat. 
I mean, the way he's gone on a campaign saying that the inflation is not from government spending, the gas price is not from anything. The it was from Ukraine. It was from Ukraine. He t- put it all on Ukraine. It, it was Saki and Biden. It came out of both of their mouths. There's nine thousand leases out there that they could be drilling on. Bah, bah, bah. You're right. They're just selling you bullshit. Right, and that's why that's that's when you know you you really you know worry that what they're doing to the energy market could be intentional, and you know you would rather chalk it up to incompetence. But when they turn around and lie about you know what's going on because of everything that they're doing, then you have to factor malice in. But why 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 be why sabotage something like that? That's what I don't understand. Why sabotage it? Because it helps his, it helps the electronic vehicle case. I mean, you heard you heard them come out and say, you know, Booty Judge came out and said, you know, you or the uh, the energy secretary, I forget what her name is, came out and said, um, you know, you this wouldn't be affecting you if you had an electric car. But the electric, but the electric vehicle case, right? Like as we speak today, is unaffordable. People cannot afford electric vehicles. I mean, because. The car, the, literally, the car market's gone berserk. Plus, in order to build new EVs, takes raw materials that has like nickel that has gone through the roof. This you are. This is you're pricing people out of the same things you want them to to buy. And I get the I get the policy, but like, there's it's unaffordable. You will own nothing, and you will be happy. Rhymes with that. <laughs> Rhymes with that, doesn't it? Right, yeah. it does. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's just, it, you. You can tell that the dots don't connect, right? You can say, okay, well, now look what you've done. You've gone and pushed gas from two dollars a gallon to five dollars a gallon, with with your war on fossil fuels. You're pushing the twenty thirty carbon neutral agenda. The price of cars, the cost of cars, has flown through the roof behind the energy price and what about by the way the electricity price now with with coal natural gas and everything else through the roof what what is that going to go down is that inverse all of a sudden to fossil fuels because we're not using uranium for baseload power last i checked so if fossil fuels are going up then the cost of electricity is going up and out in california they're telling you do us a favor don't charge your car and don't drive i mean that sounds like the globalist plan down to the blueprint. Hmm. Well, if we were if we were successful at anything today, TG was getting you fired up for your uh, beers out with the boys for St. Patty's Day. That's why I was excited to do this podcast. I was like, all right, let's do this, and then we're gonna hit the office closed sign and uh, go have a cold beer. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, tell us every people know you. They know where to find you. But in case we got some new listeners out there, where can they? Find you on Twitter and the website, and maybe inquire about a subscription to the Navigator. Sure, I am at TG Macro on Twitter. You, uh, your listeners, can feel free to email me at Tony at TGMacro.com if you have any questions um, about the Morning Navigator, my publication. You can go to my website TGMacro.com, and there's a way to uh, inquire about it there. Also, there are some samples there. There are some samples of the uh, videos that I do called the Icebreakers. Um, which are a recap of every week's price action and, and some of my views. And uh, that's it. Knock on wood. Think business is good, Trevor. Uh, the, the commodity markets have been good. And luckily, we've had the view pretty correct. So that's been a huge help in uh, helping people understand what's going on. 
Yep. I read The Navigator four days a week. It's a great publication. Okay. Uh, TG, it's great to have you on once again. It has been too long. Uh, all my best to you and the family. Stay safe, stay healthy. Too kind. And uh, until, until next time, my friend. Great conversation, brother. Great conversation. Yeah, Thanks, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a good one. Have a great weekend, buddy. Yeah, man, you too. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.